Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and we'll read from the verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel, Besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. The day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 35. Now my text tonight is taken from Luke 24, verse 29. And I want to meditate upon the words, Abide with us. And if you want to think about a theme for this evening, then I would present the thought, Lessons from the Wembley Final Hymn. You see, this year, 
On Saturday, the 30th of May past, the FA Cup final was held in Wembley Stadium. Now, just before the kickoff at around 2.45, a choir of about 64 individuals sang this lovely gospel hymn, Abide With Me. So much so, it caught the attention of the news media. It was even on Newsline on Thursday night previous uh, with BBC. I discovered that this hymn has been sung for many years at the FA Cup final. I'm amazed at that because, of course, many football fans would not darken the door of the church. Yet here they are, singing with all their heart, for all their worth, this great gospel hymn. Now, of course, this great gospel hymn is often sung in our own country at a person's funeral. Apparently, this hymn started out with the fans singing it on their own before the match. Then over the years, individual choirs were asked to come and sing it. Now the football clubs themselves have got involved, and this year every club supplied one supporter to represent them in the choir of 64. So isn't that interesting? I want you to think of approximately 90,000 fans on the 30th of May at about 2.45 on that Saturday afternoon singing these words. And of course, as I thought of that, I was praying that the Lord would speak to individuals. And as they sang, abide with me, it was my prayer that the Lord would open their hearts, that the Lord would open their minds, and the Lord would come and bring them to a knowledge of Himself. This hymn, of course, has been played by a number of people in many historic and tragic occasions down the centuries. It was also played on board Titanic by the band as the ship was going down. We know they played Near My God to Thee, but they also played Abide With Me. Did you know it was played on the eve of World War I as our troops were sent out to fight against Nazi Germany? It was played by the Salvation Army Band in Ground Zero in 2001 in New York after the Twin Towers disaster. It was even sung to a nurse called Edith Caldwell. She was a nurse in the British Army. She helped soldiers to escape from Belgium in the Second World War. She was caught. She was sentenced to death by the Nazis on the eve of her murder and execution. She was visited by a chaplain and he said, Edith, dear, have you any last request? And do you know what her request was? Yes, sing, abide with me. Now, the hymn was written by Henry Francis Light. He was born in 1793 and died in 1847. He was an Anglican minister of a small church in Devon. A minister, could I add, in poor health, he had tuberculosis. And just before his own death, in fact, one year before, he was visiting at the bedside of a dying man. He was there to leave some words of comfort, some words of cheer to the man. Now, the man was saved. The man knew he was going home to be with the Lord. And the man prayed as well as the minister. And this is what the man prayed. Lord, abide with me. Lord, abide with me. Lord, abide with me. And those words, as Henry uh, Francis Light left the house, didn't leave him. They stirred his own heart and mind. 
And he knew of a truth that the Lord does abide with all his children. And he actually sat down and began to compose the words, abide with me. Now he only got to the first verse. But, but that was always in his mind. One year later, Henry Francis Light preached his farewell sermon to his little congregation in Devon. He, he was leaving Devon. He was going off, I think, to the south of France and then on to Italy. He, he wanted, of course, a better climate. He wanted sunny weather. Who doesn't when it's cold? But he was sick and felt that the, the, the better uh, uh, climate in Europe uh, would, would help him uh, in his illness. And in his study, he intended to preach in these words, Lord abide with us and in 1847 at the end of his life before he left he penned these lovely words in his study that was his sermon this became the final hymn that he left with the congregation so think of lessons from the Wembley final hymn you see Henry Francis Light had been orphaned at nine. He was educated in Pretoria Royal School in Enniskillen, County Fermanagh. For a number of years, uh, he was in the ministry, as I said, in Devon. And he retired early due to ill health. Three weeks after his final sermon, three weeks after that final hymn on route to Italy, He wasn't far from the city of Nice in France when he died and passed into the Lord's presence. Henry Francis Light took the words of Luke 24, 49 and he personalised them. He changed one word. He changed the us to me. He made it personal. He, he knew that he was in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He knew the blessedness of communion and fellowship with Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus Christ walked and talked with his people along life's journey. He knew that Christ came alongside and counseled and consoled his people. So in prayer, even at the last, he prayed for those who were at his bedside, Lord, abide with me. I want us to think of these words tonight, and I've got four little thoughts I want to leave with you. When you think of the words, Lord, abide with us, I want you to think firstly of a fellowship to be enjoyed. Here's a journey that was commenced from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was seven miles long. Two sad, slow of heart disciples. And they were sad because of circumstances and things that had happened in their lives that they couldn't understand. Then the Lord Jesus draws near. Isn't that what we read in verse 15? Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And his presence brought about a tremendous change. Soon their very soul was blessed. Their steps were quickened. Their hearts were warmed. Their faces were enlightened. Here they are walking along life's pathway. And they're now having fellowship with the risen Christ. And isn't that the true secret of life, folks? In this hymn, the third verse says, I need thy presence every passing hour. We sang from Fanny Crosby's great hymn, I must have the Saviour with me. 
And you see, surely that's the question of all questions. All of us are in the pathway of life. And we'll face trials and troubles along life's pathway. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. And when trouble is near, and when trouble has come to our door, can we say, help of the helpless, like it says in verse 1, abide with me. You see, life for all of us is ebbing away. Life, of course, is passing us by. And sooner or later, we, we will meet the old enemy that we call death. And death will come to take us away from all that we hold dear. And the question for us is, have we the Saviour with us? question for you is, have you the Saviour with you? Can you look back at a time when you met him in life's journey? When he drew near to where you were? When he revealed himself to you? And you heard his words? And you saw his wounds? You see, these two disciples... They saw his wounds. We'll see that in a moment. And their whole life was changed. And their heart was stirred. And their heart burned within them. I can tell you tonight the presence of Christ is real. And you can enjoy that presence. And you can enjoy <laughs> fellowship with him as the risen Christ. And I just want to ask the question. Does it explain your life and mine? Isn't it a dreadful thing to live without Jesus Christ? Isn't that a dreadful thing to die without Jesus Christ? Jesus said in three occasions, John 8, 22 to 24, If you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. Surely one of the most precious statements that Christ ever uttered was this, Lo, I am with you always. The great David Livingstone, missionary to Africa, said it's the words of a gentleman. See, Jesus Christ is with you. Jesus Christ is in his people as the hope of glory. And if he's not with us and not in us, then we're traveling alone. Then we're, we're facing death alone without God. Then we're still in our sins. Then we have no hope for eternity. And if our sins are not forgiven, then they're retained against us. And on that day, if we die in our sins, sadly, hell itself will be our portion. All because we have not repented. All because we have not believed the gospel. All because we have never met Jesus Christ on the journey. Can you bear testimony tonight? Think of that old dying man that Henry Francis Light first visited. Who, who in his bed was saying, Lord, abide with me. Lord, I, I want you to come. Lord, I need you to remain and stay nearby me. Lord, I, I want to know the reality of your presence. I, I want to know that it's real, Lord. Can you bear testimony to that? There's a fellowship to be enjoyed. Notice, secondly, <clears throat> there's a fellowship to be appreciated. You see, we often take so much for granted, don't we, in Northern Ireland? especially because we've been blessed with so much gospel heritage. Here's these two disciples. They're approaching the place where they live. It's called Emmaus. And the stranger that's with them, he gives the impression that he was going on further, that he wanted to leave them, that he was going to separate from them. And the moment he would, of course, then their communion and fellowship would cease. 
Is not what the text tells us? Verse 28, And he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him. It was because he made as if he was going on further that they constrained him. And what did they say? Abide with us. You see, I believe at times that the Saviour withdraws a conscious sense of his presence from us simply to bring about in our hearts and minds a reminder of the great privileges and blessings we enjoy in having fellowship with him. It's a reminder that we would be sad and lonely without the consciousness of his presence. It would be a reminder that all our mercies and goodness that we enjoy are as a result of being in union and fellowship with him. Notice what they said, for it is toward evening. In other words, eventide has come. Isn't it interesting that the hymn, Abide With Me, we sung it tonight to the tune of eventide. There's an interesting story even about the composition of the tune, never mind the makeup of the words. Eventide has come. Therefore, Lord, abide with us. This was a husband and wife, I believe. You see, the Lord doesn't forsake his people. We have got his promise. Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That was repeated to five men in the Old Testament. You look it up. A promise rooted in the grace of God because these five men didn't deserve it. They hadn't earned it. Neither do we. And when the Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, let's remember that's against the backcloth. When there are times when he appears to withdraw his favour and his presence. He appears to withdraw his speaking voice. He appears to withdraw his nearness. And he does so to get us to cry out. To get us to pray. Lord abide with us. So that we'll not take him or his blessings for granted. So, so we're filled with a spirit of thankfulness. So we count it a privilege. Lord I can't be without thee. You see, in the onward march of life, with all its trouble, with all its problems, the Lord is there to help. He's the help of the helpless. So there's support for us individually. There's support for us as a congregation. There's support for us as a denomination. The Lord draws our hearts out after himself. Isn't this what the psalmist experienced whenever he cried out, in Psalm 42, which is uh, really one of my uh, favourite psalms, I, I think about it often. Um, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? You see, there's a hungering for him. There's a hankering after him. Is that true of you and me tonight? See, there's a fellowship to be appreciated. Notice something else here. There's a fellowship to be cultivated. If you look at our text, it says in verse 29, but they constrained him. Under nine, the word constrained. You see, it's, it, it, that's a very strong word in the Greek New Testament. The thought is of laying hold in someone's arm. Pressing them beyond measure. Taking a hold and then treating them. And saying, please don't go. Please don't leave. They, they, in other words, 
earnestly wanted him to stay. And surely we as believers need to entreat the Lord to abide with us. Lord, we need you. Lord, we can't be without you. We were singing this morning, tell me more about Jesus. Because there's a hunger for him. We want a house for him. This, of course, is based in covenant relationship. Lord, abide with us. Lord, I'm, I'm thine. Lord, I'm thy child. Lord, I'm blood washed, I'm spirit born. You see, Jesus Christ goes where he's welcome. And remember the time we have welcomed him to be our Lord and Saviour. I was saying to Brian Liggett, pressed home to his heart on a number of occasions, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He, he comes where he's welcome. But if someone says, I don't want you, if someone says, clear off, get out of here, as their scripture tells us that about Christ, he, he'll not press himself. It's based on a yearning after the Lord. Lord, abide with us. Think of this word constrained. They felt a need. They, they were conscious that they didn't want him to go. It, it's based on the need of people in a dark hour. Think, think about toward evening. Darkness is coming. The midnight will soon be upon us. Remember the Bible tells us that the night cometh when no man can work. Isn't it sin and wickedness that drives Christ away? We, 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 we talked a bit about uh, the, the, the backsliding church. Christ begins to withdraw his power and his presence. And it's then that there should be a crying out, Lord, abide with us. Lord, we're a people in need in a dark hour. And isn't it tied into the plight of poor lost souls? Lord, abide with us when trouble is near. Don't we all have a sense of need, of help and trouble? Doesn't it come into all our lives? Henry Francis Light had tuberculosis the most of his life. And when he thought of the words, Lord, abide, abide with me, he was saying, Lord, stay and help me through this. Stay and help me through this sickness. Stay and help me through this pain, Lord. Lord, abide when trouble is near. You see, that's what the first verse is really all about. Lord, abide with us when, when death knocks at the door because life is brief. He, he, he says there in that, uh, that second verse, uh, swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth joys grow dim. Its glories pass away. Life is best at very brief. It's a vapour. It's so short. It's here and it's gone. He, he says, change and decay and all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. You know, everything changes. I was speaking to Stephen Toms in uh, Salisbury and he was telling me that everything changes. Even the church, he says, in England, there's big change of it. You know, the Lord doesn't change. He's the unchanging one. I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you're not consumed, you sons of Jacob. Let's get our eyes on that. Lord, abide with me because I need grace. 
But I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Grace to keep going. Grace to keep my eyes in Christ. Grace amidst the tempter's power to get me to quit. The tempter's power to sin. Grace because opposition and persecution is strong and real. We have to say in the 21st century, like in the 1st century, it's not easy being a Christian. All that we're facing. But Lord, if you abide, then I'll have grace. Do you get the picture? Lord, abide in the hour of death. See, three weeks after that sermon, Lord, abide with us. Henry Francis Light, in journey to Italy, the city of Nice, or the town of Nice, went home to be with the Lord and experienced the peace and joy of being in the Lord's presence. He died well. He died in Christ. John Wesley used to say about the Methodists, they died well. Henry Light knew that the Lord was with them. He knew he was going to be with Christ, which is far better. He knew all about victory in Jesus, the victory of Christ's cross over his enemies, how he conquered death and, and hell and sin and the grave and the devil, all by his atoning death and, and, and wonderful life. <clears throat> Henry had entered into the victory of Christ's cross. And even though he knew that death was certain, he could say, Lord, abide with me. And that needs to be cultivated. There's why we constrain him. That's why we hunger and hanker after him. That's why we call out to him. Because we'll all have trouble. We all know that life is brief. We all stand in need of grace. We know that death is coming to take us away. And we need the Lord to abide with us. One final thing. It's a fellowship to be rewarded. Look at verse 29 again and it says and he went in to tarry with them. I, I love that. He went in to tarry with them. And a couple of things happened. Their eyes were open to see him. There are those pictures in the Bible that tell us about how the disciples recognised Christ. Remember after the resurrection Mary came into the garden and she saw what she thought was the gardener. And she called out, Sir, if you've taken away, tell me where you've laid him. And I'll go and I'll carry his body. And he spoke one word, Rabboni. Or he spoke one word, Mary. And she, she replied, Rabboni. She recognised him in his words. Remember in the Sea of Tiberias, another post-resurrection experience, the, the seven disciples were fishing in the sea. And they caught nothing. And then Jesus come to the shore and told them to cast out the, the, the nets on the right side of the boat and launch out into the deep and let down their nets for a draught. And remember the, the miraculous catch of fish. And um, he was on the shore and they thought he was just a stranger. And, and then Peter, Peter said, no, it's the Lord. And he got out of the boat and run and said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. They recognized him in his works. But I just want to say this. These two disciples in their home recognised him in his wounds. Look, look, look what it says in verse 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed them and break and gave to them, and their eyes were opened. It says in verse 35, he was known of them in the breaking of bread. Do you know how he was known of them in the breaking of bread? Can you get the picture? The bread was on the table, and he's reaching out for the loaf, 
And he's going to break it in front of them. And what do they see in his hands? They see the wounds. The wounds of Calvary. They recognized him in his cross work. And that's how their eyes were opened. And because of that, their hearts warmed to him. And their spirits were thrilled to know him. And in their mouths were opened to speak for him. A fellowship that was rewarded. Eyes opened. Hearts warmed. Spirits thrilled. And mouths opened to speak for the Saviour. When we begin to enjoy fellowship with him. When we appreciate it and not take it for granted. When we begin to cultivate the spirit. Lord abide with us. Then our fellowship will be rewarded. Because we'll recognize him. And we'll have the joy of knowing him. And living for him. I just leave this thought with you. When I saw the news Thursday week ago. And the BBC Newsline and thought of these words. It's going to be sung at Wembley Stadium. 90,000 people. And apparently it happens every year. Lord abide with me. I I just thought there's a message there uh, for the people of God. Uh, And I trust the Lord will bless these few truths to your heart this evening.